Well, some time ago, I was out doing my ministry things. I believe I was out at the hospital visiting some people. It was uh, ran past the lunch hour and I'm, I'm getting hungry. I think I'll just run past the Chick-fil-A and uh, get something to eat. So I, I go by the Chick-fil-A. I'm at the counter. I order my food. I get the food. I bring it, take it back to my table. And as I'm going back to the table, I notice through the glass wall by the drive-thru that there at the drive-thru window is my wife. I'm thinking, this is awesome. I, I don't get the chance to have lunch very often. Her busy life, my life, all that's going on. And so I think, let me just leave the food here, run out there and, and get her to come on in and, and join me for, have, have a date, you know, have a date on that, that day. So I, I run out the front of the door. I, I come back down to the drive-thru and there, there the car is right by the drive-thru window. So I, I run up to it as fast as I can. I stick my head in the window and say, hey, babe, come in and have lunch with me. And when I realize it's not my wife. <laughs> I mean, it, the exact same car as our car. The, the, the lady had the same haircut as my wife. And as I went outside, I'm coming up the drive. You know, the sun is glaring on the windshield. I can't quite see until I, until I just get my head in the window. You can imagine my surprise. You imagine her surprise, you know. Uh, of course, she said, I'd love to come in and have lunch with you. No, she didn't. She thought I was a lunatic. You know, who's this crazy guy coming in my car? You can imagine that one moment, I'm so excited to see my wife. The next moment, so disappointed to find it was somebody else. You know, as I look around the Christian community in America, I get the sense that there are so many who think they found Christ. And in reality, only they, they, they only found religion. I'm here to tell you that religion without a relationship with Christ does not satisfy it's not enough. They, they thought they had one thing, but it just doesn't seem to be panning out like they had thought. And all the promises that they'd heard, they don't seem to be experiencing them. And they hear stories of, of history, of what God has done, the great movement, and the things He's doing in other people's lives, but they don't, they don't seem to be experiencing that in their life. They think they have one thing, but perhaps they don't realize they don't have what they thought they had. See, one of the great challenges of the church is that we are influenced by secular definitions of sacred things. We, we say something and the promise of God and automatically the world around us begins to shape our understanding of what that is. And, and it may not be the same thing at all. Have you ever had one of the, the Mormon missionaries come by you and use the exact same language that we use but they mean something totally different than we mean? And there are times that we use terms in the Bible and we think of the promises of God and then all of a sudden our own self-centered Thinking begins to influence what, what God's Word has said. And, and, and our sinful nature is, is extremely self-centered. So we begin to interpret things through the lens of our sinful nature. And, and when God begins to describe what, what is promised to you, we misinterpret it and we miss what God wanted to do in our life. I've discovered that everybody wants abundant life. Everybody. Saved, lost, everybody wants Abundant life. In fact, just a couple months ago, my youngest daughter and I were in the Middle East. We were in a Muslim country that's like 99% Muslim. We were working with some refugees. We were up. Uh, we went to several places. We were up in the refugee camps in the border of Macedonia and the northern part of Greece. And there's there's devastation. 
There's all kind of uh, just horrific things. There's all these 100% Muslim families living in these tents, and we're trying to minister and care and uh, come alongside. And of course, everyone, every, every man's name, it seemed like, was Muhammad. And we're talking to Muhammad and the family and the kids, and we're sharing. And uh, Sarah's playing with the kids, and uh, we're having a chance to talk to them. And they know I'm a, a Christian pastor and from America. And, and, and it's amazing as we're talking, and they're, they're devastated by just disappointing in what what's happened in their life and the dangers and the violence they've seen and the promise of Islam that didn't seem to be panning out and they're discouraged and they're, 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 it, as you're talking to them they're just sense I, I just want to have life I, want, I don't want to be afraid I don't want to be running for my life I, I've lost everything and this sense of openness and desire for something more than what they have I mean everybody wants abundant life do they not? do you want abundant life? well Jesus promised abundant life but what did he mean when he promised abundant life? I'm going to talk to you this morning about abundant living, and I'm going to use two verses of Scripture and, and, and bring them together to help us understand what Jesus may be talking about in His promise of abundance. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 10. We'll begin there today, John chapter 10. Uh, Jesus is speaking, and we're going to just drop into this conversation. And uh, one of the things we do at our church is we stand when we read God's Word. So I invite you to stand in the honor of God's Word today as I read Uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus speaking said this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have life more abundantly. For I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Heavenly Father, guide us today as we look into your word. Uh, may you speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, revealing yourself in your word that we might have a better understanding of what it means to know you and to live that abundant life that you promised. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seat as we talk about abundant living. Now, this passage to me is amazing for many reasons. But what a statement. Jesus, the Son of God, says, I have come. Your ears perk up. Why have you come? I've come to give you life. And life more abundantly. Now, if I were to say that, you know, big deal. Who are you? But when Jesus says this, that is a big deal. He, he He has the backing and the power to deliver on His promise. Now, I, I do my very best to keep my word, but I, you know, I, I'm limited. I, I, I'm human. I'm frail. And my resources are, are, are very limited, but not his. And Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Now, you need to think about this again. You may hear a lot of opinions about life. You hear it all over the place. This is Jesus' opinion. This is the truth that comes from him. And again, I want you to pause and consider who is speaking. Jesus is the Son of God. The second person of the Trinity. The eternal Godhead. The creator and the sustainer of all life. Jesus literally came from eternity into time. From heaven down to earth to tell us what the truth is. He knows what he's talking about. He knows it brings abundant life. When Jesus speaks on any topic, He is the authority. So when you read the Bible, listen, every word of this is inspired. Every word of this 
we call God's Word, the living Word of God. But, but I, want, I want you to know that when Jesus makes a statement, it just kind of my ears perk up because, listen, this is, this is God Himself speaking directly into our life. He is, it's not an opinion. It's, it's fact. It's truth. It's coming from God Himself. And so when you read the Bible and you hear what Jesus said, realize He's not limited by human knowledge. When you read the words of Jesus, he's not influenced by the culture of his day as if, uh, if he was in a different culture, he would say something different. He's not restrained by inadequate teachers as a child. He, he's not somehow limited by some, you know, some primitive scientific meth- methods. It's amazing to me when people talk about Jesus, oh, this good man in the first century, but we're more enlightened now. We have better scientific ex- explanations. We, we, we know more. And somehow they look at Jesus like he's some kind of simpleton in the first century with limited knowledge. Are you kidding me? He stands above all things. He, he, he's God over all things. He created all things. And He came to earth to tell us the truth. Listen to Jesus. What does it mean to follow Him? What does it mean to have abundant life in Him? What does it mean that Jesus is the shepherd of our soul? Well, it means that Jesus would do whatever it takes to care for your life. He told us here in verse 11, Man, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives His life. Lays his life down. Gives whatever it takes. He's going to go to the very extreme to take care of his sheep. It means that you're always going to be satisfied. There's nothing in your life that the good shepherd cannot provide. And when you begin to hear Jesus talking about this relationship, especially as it lays out in the Gospel of John, uh, you hear him trying to use all kind of images and pictures to help us to get a grasp on the fact that a life with him is good. It's a good life. Listen to what he said. We already read in John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd. Good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. But in verse, chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I'm the light of the world. And he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He said in chapter 6, verse 35, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. He said in chapter 4, verse 14, Whoever drinks the water I shall give him will never thirst. I mean, you get the sense that he's using every possible expression to describe his love and his care for his people, the good shepherd who gives them abundant life, that this is a good life when you're a disciple of Christ. If you give your life to him, the result is good. He's the shepherd who will protect you. The light who brings you out of darkness. The, 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 the bread who satisfies your hunger. The living water who quenches your thirst. I'm here to tell you today that a relationship with Christ satisfies. Do you find that to be true in your life? Christ satisfies to the deepest part of your being. And in verse 10, it's telling us His goal for your life. I came to give you abundant life. Life to the full. Life that fulfills purpose and meaning. Life is going to matter for eternity. I'm going to do something in your life and through your life that you would never imagine. It can only be described as abundant. Jesus wants you to experience abundant life. Not just someday in heaven. I get this sense sometimes when I talk to people, man, life is hard today, but someday I'll get to enjoy it. No, today, right now, on earth, abundant life in Christ. Now, if you're not satisfied with Jesus, can I suggest that there may be a good chance you don't know Him? 
You, you may have found religion, but you don't got a relationship. You may know about God, but you don't know God. You may know the Bible, but you're not walking in a relationship with Him. Did not Jesus turn to some, some guys following Him and said, Listen, you search the Scriptures because you think in them you have life, but you won't come to Me, the giver of life. So you can be very religious. You can memorize the Bible. You can do a lot of good things and think you found one thing, but realize you've missed it. You missed the abundant life that God had intended for you to live. So here's the test. Is your soul at peace? Or are you one who's anxious and stressed and worried? Do you got the peace of God that's deep in your soul, no matter what your circumstance is? Is there joy unspeakable inside? Your joy is not dependent upon the circumstances, whether they're good or bad. It's the presence of Christ in your life and you can't help it. You're so full of joy. You could be like the apostles are thrown in the deepest, darkest prison and you're singing praises to God. Not because of the circumstance, but because He's there in the circumstance. And you realize you can take everything away from me, but if I've got Christ, that's far more than I ever deserved and far more than I can even understand. Is there a purpose and meaning in your life? You get up each day and you got a purpose. There's meaning. There's, there's, there's something in your life that matters. I'm making a difference in my life. How would you describe your life? Could, could you describe your life with that word, abundant? Could you say your life is abundant? Man, this is better than I ever imagined. If I had dreams when I was young, but it's nothing like what I'm experiencing now. God has something far better. I didn't know it could be so good. Give me Christ. That's all I need. Your life is abundant because you're walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't seem to be experiencing abundant life, maybe you've got the wrong definition of abundant life. Maybe you've got the world's interpretation of what that will look like when it's abundant. Maybe you've got Hollywood's idea of uh, fast cars and, and a big house and lots of money and fame and vacations and all those things. Man, life's abundant. Look at all these things I have. But they're not satisfying. See, if you're not satisfied with this, this Christ we're talking about, maybe you've got the wrong definition and you're pursuing the wrong things. Perhaps you need to know what Jesus means by abundant life. What it means that He's the good shepherd of your soul. What it means to be a sheep in His pasture following after Him. Listen, I'm here to tell you that the Christian life is a good life. But, but you need to understand something. A disciple of Christ is not just one who receives all these good things from God. It's one who lives their life for others. I want to take you to the second passage of Scripture that I believe is a great definition of what it means to follow the Good Shepherd. It's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and following. Why don't you turn there with me? Because I want you to understand when Jesus says abundant life is coming, that He's the Good Shepherd, that we are to follow Him, this may be the best description of what it looks like when you follow Him, the Good Shepherd. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone desires to come after me, you got that picture of the Good Shepherd? Following the Good Shepherd? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? 
What will a man give in exchange for his soul? But the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his works. What a statement. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and you need to follow me. But this is what it looks like. If you're going to follow me, you must deny self, pick up your cross, and follow me. There is a cost. There's a sacrifice. There is a decision to follow Jesus even to the hard places in this world. To go where you would not have gone, but because you've chosen to follow him, he's leading you into places that, that may look kind of dangerous. See, I'm convinced that those who would choose to deny self, pick up their cross, and follow Jesus will always be satisfied. Will always experience abundant life. Because they will always be where Jesus is. And in Jesus' presence is abundance of life. Now, I can maybe hear somebody thinking right now, Preacher, uh, I, I'm here to find life and you're telling me to give it away. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I'm doing my best to, to gain things and to, and, and to save things and to, to, to enjoy life, but you're telling me to give it all away. Jesus, the Son of God, said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Jesus, the Son of God, also said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny self, take up the cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Both statements are absolutely true. Deny self, you have abundant life. Take up your cross, abundant life. Follow Jesus, abundant life. Give your life away for his sake, you'll experience life in abundance. I want you to hear this carefully. Abundant life is found in abundant living. You don't just wait for God to just pour all of abundance in your life. You start living abundantly. See, I, I'm convinced that American Christianity is far more obsessed with abundant life than they are the giver of abundant life. The, the, the one who, in whom there is life. They, they want the good life and then they tell God what it looks like. God, abundant life, that, that's what I, I'm all about that. God, give me some abundant life. And then they describe the things that will make their life full. The nice things and the money and the riches and the, the pleasures. See, because of sin, we always have a self-centered view of abundant life. That is, we think in terms of what we receive from God. Not necessarily what we give. And when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, we respond, well, bring it on. I'm all about abundant life. I want to be loved. Give me love more abundantly. I want to be blessed. Bless me abundantly. And we have this self-centered idea that, man, this sounds pretty good. The God of the universe is going to give me all these good things. And on and on we go, dreaming of all that God will give me when I become a Christian. And if that becomes the basis of your decision to accept Christ, you don't have Christ. That's not a disciple of Christ. That's not what he meant when he said abundant life. And we want abundant life... Not sure about denying self. How does that work? Abundant life, you're telling me to deny self, pick up a cross and follow Jesus? When we want abundant life, we're not sure about giving our life away. It doesn't make sense to us. 
But we don't realize that abundant life is found on the other side of giving your life away for the sake of Christ. Laying it all down before Him. There is a divine interplay between our giving and our receiving. Now we don't give so that we can receive as if in some way we could earn God's favor or earn God's blessing. We give so we can receive, not like some slot machine. I'm going to give so that God gives back to me. We don't do it that way. That's that's not our motivation. That's not why he gives. But it is a kingdom principle, is it not? Matthew 7, Jesus said, with a measure that you use, it's measured back to you. He, He said it this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, give, and it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it's measured back to you. It's not just like, okay, you give that and God gives back. When you begin to give your life away for His sake, He gives back in an abundance. It's one of those things where you realize you don't just wait for God to give you abundance. You just start living abundantly. You start giving your life away. You start serving Him with, with, with abandon. Just, Lord, here's my life. I give it all back to you. And you begin to experience things you could have never imagined. See, at salvation, God gave you the Holy Spirit. So that you could love more abundantly. Not just receive God's love, but that you could now begin to love with God like love. When you received the Holy Spirit, you were, you were given the Spirit that you might give more generously. That you might forgive more abundantly. That you might serve others with, with joy. That, that you would have the capacity to, to serve God in greater ways. For as you love one another, God pours His love into you abundantly. As you give, God gives to you abundantly. As you lay your life down, He gives your life back more abundantly. I tell you, I've watched it over and over again. Those who give their life away, those who are generous with the things God has given them, those who realize it's not mine, it's God's, and I'm just a steward of it, and there's a need there, and I can go ahead and meet that need. There's a hurting person there, I can go and encourage that person. There's a financial need at church, I can give sacrificially. When when God looks down, He finds a life that is just always giving their life away, He can entrust that life with greater abundance. Why? Because He knows you're not just going to hold it to yourself. He knows it's not just self-centered way. He knows that your sinful nature is not going to grab onto it and try to save it. You're going to give it away. As He pours in, it just flows through your life. And, and when He sees a person who is generous and kind and giving, He can entrust them with the greater things of the kingdom because when He touches your life, He touches a hundred others. When He touches your life, your entire church is blessed. When He begins to work in you, your community comes to see the love of God. As you give, He pours back into your life more abundantly. See, the more you understand what it means to deny self... Pick up a cross and follow Jesus, the more you will experience life in abundance. Now, I've, I've got a philosophy about old people. Kind of gets me in trouble at times, but uh, I may never see you guys again. I'm going to tell you my philosophy of growing old. I believe you can tell how a person lived their life by watching them grow old. If you think about some of the old people in your life, they, they tend to just go two directions. One, their name starts with G and ends with Rumpy. 
They're just grumpy old men. They're just, they're, they're, they're negative. They're, they're always frowning. They're just kind of hard to get along with. And the other, they become more gracious and tender and sweet in the sweet presence of Christ. I believe this principle is, is, is playing out in their life. The measure with which you give is measured back to you. If, if you've been stingy, if you've been holding back, you've been trying to save your life, it just seems like you lose it. But if you're giving your life away and you're loving and you're kind and you're generous and you're always helping others and, and you're, you're saying the sweet words of Christ, when you get older, it's going to be obvious because it's all over your life. The sweet spirit of Christ, the sweet aroma of Christ. You can just see it. That measure with which you have measured is coming back to you. Let me give an example. What does the Bible say about unforgiveness? Jesus said, if you will not forgive those who trespass against you, what happens? Your heavenly Father won't forgive you. That, that if you refuse and you hold a grudge and you're bitter and you're angry and you will not forgive that person, the Father will not forgive you. Now this is a whole other sermon that I could almost preach right here. And some would say, but that sounds like God's forgiveness is conditional. Yes. It does, doesn't it? Remember, Jesus is saying it. In fact, he used many parables trying to describe. You need to understand when you receive all that God has given to you. When Jesus forgives every sin you've ever committed. Cleanses you of all unrighteousness. Causes you to be born into the family of God. Fills you with His Holy Spirit. Gives you His Son to lead your life day by day. And you can't forgive that guy? Then your Father will not forgive you. And the result of that kind of lifestyle is tragic. Because there are many around us who refuse to forgive. And they wonder why their life is so down. Why they don't see the power of God. Why He seems so distant. And the reason is this. Somewhere along the way... They asked God to forgive their sins and they assumed God said yes. God's word says, if you don't forgive that person, your father won't forgive you. So they go through life asking God to forgive them uh, and always assuming that God always does what we ask him and he's been forgiven. But in reality is, they're still carrying their sin. For years, the sins in their life are on their shoulders. And they wonder why life is so hard and so dark and they're powerless and God is so distant. Because they refuse to forgive somebody else. They refuse to forgive that sin. And the measure with which we have measured is measured back to us. And the result, we grow bitter, negative, grumpy. Because that's the measure which we, we've lived. But the opposite is true. If you've been forgiving, full of grace... Giving your life away, that's the life that's going to come back to you. You show grace to others, God's grace just pours over your life. You show mercy, God's mercy is all over you. You show forgiveness, God forgives you and sets you free. You're kind, God's kindness is overwhelming your life. The result is you grow old, you're full of God's love, full of God's joy, full of God's peace. Because the measure with which you measure is measured back to you in abundance by God Himself. If you give your life away for the sake of Christ, you're going to find it in ways you could have never imagined. And anyone who's truly denied self, picked up their cross and followed Jesus, they're going to experience abundant life guaranteed. He is going to take them places they would have never gone. And they will therefore live a life that they would have never lived. And the joy of the, of the Lord in their life is going to come when they see the power of God transform lives. Once you take that step of faith, the step of obedience and go with Him, you're going to know life in abundance. For abundant life is found when you align your life with the purposes of God. In other words, 
Abundant life is not what God does for you. It's what God does through you to bless those around you. And God is watching and and God is, is responding and God is working. And you'll find that when you watch God take lives around you and transform them because of your faithfulness, man, there's no greater joy in the world. You can spend your entire life building up possessions and things and all this material stuff. It will not satisfy. But if you come to the end of your life and you may not have any material things at all, but you see life after life and family after family and whole communities who've been blessed because of your life, you're overwhelmed by the joy of the Lord that will last for eternity's sake. I'm telling you, when you give your life away for the sake of Christ, you will have a life in abundance. Acts 1.8 says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Listen, I want you to hear this carefully. We're not given the Holy Spirit just so we can be comfortable in life. We are given the Holy Spirit that we might proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and be witnesses to Him. Power to share the gospel. Power to be courageous. Power to be obedient. Power to sacrifice. Power to give ourselves away when it goes against our very nature. And the result of receiving power from on high, the gospel of Jesus Christ goes into all the world. So what does that look like? What does it look like in the early church, in the book of Acts? You go through the book of Acts and you see something which to me is quite amazing. It goes against every natural inclination we have. That sin nature that is always so self-centered. The power of the gospel and the power of the Spirit in us goes against everything we imagined. You look at the, the early church and you realize that they've got the power to speak the name of Jesus with boldness, even if it might cost them their life. You see the power to care for those in need when they hadn't noticed them before that time. You see the power to actually sell their possessions and give to those with generosity. You see the power to sing with great joy, even when they're in prison. You see the power of God to be faithful, even when they're being stoned to death. You see the power of God to leave their comforts and follow the Lord into foreign lands. You, you see the power to count the cost and be on mission with God and redeem a world. You see, the apostles understood that life is about far more than time on earth, but time in eternity. And somewhere along the way, they, they found a life worth living. Not one of those apostles, all who died a martyr's death save John, could look back and say, man, it was all worth it. I've seen far more than I ever imagined. The, the things I've seen and experienced and the power of God, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Just give me Jesus. And a life of adventure, of following after Him, that is what brings life. You know, I took a group on a mission trip to Africa. And on that trip, we were going into Mozambique and into South Africa and on that border area, several different projects we had in, on that trip. And there was a, a young girl that went with us on that trip. She's 17 years old. Uh, she was a minor, so she had to have her mom sign legal, legal guardianship over to me. So I was her dad for the group. So I had a special kind of care for her, uh, looking after her. Her mom was trusting me. Nothing happened. And we're going into some uh, kind of sketchy areas, I guess. A lot of tragedy. But her life was kind of special. And uh, this, this trip would be meaningful for her and in many ways meaningful to me. She was the only Christian in her entire family. Like, nobody in her family that she knew, immediate family, extended family, grandparents, she knew of no believers in her entire family. 
She had a tragedy in her early life. Her father was killed in an accident. He was on a snowmobile up in Canada. He was going up into the mountains and an avalanche came down, covered her dad and he died. Uh, she was, I'm not sure the exact age, maybe eight, ten years old. She was just a young girl. Uh, devastated. Her family devastated. They didn't know the Lord. They didn't know where to turn for help. And uh, she began to get depressed, this ten-year-old little girl. She, she got into this dark place of suicidal thoughts. She had no hope. Uh, they sent her to uh, secular psychiatrists who were giving her medications and trying to counsel her, but it was getting worse and worse. She was lonely. She was in a dark place, and it seemed like there was no hope. And this, this poor little girl, just absolutely devastated by the death of her father. And the mom didn't know what to do to help. The mom didn't know the Lord. And so maybe it was because of uh, uh, the things that had happened in her life that, the, that, that God began to do work in her. As a youth, one of our youth invited her to the youth group, she got to church. To make a long story short, she accepted Christ. Uh, everything began to change. Uh, she got rid of all the medication. God began to work in her life. A light turned on and uh, everything changed. She, she began to be so excited and so full of joy. Her mom could not believe what was going on in her life. And maybe that's why she gave permission for her to go on this trip with us when she's just a 17-year-old girl over into Africa. And so there we were in Africa in an area devastated by AIDS. I mean, there was a ministry... Uh, in that area, the only thing they did was build coffins for all the people who've been dying. There were so many orphans in this region, they could not house them all. And so there was an orphanage and there was some activity center there, but they couldn't keep them all there. So what they would do is allow the orphans just to stay in their home, live in that little hut. And they'd send social workers out into the villages, but every other day just to check on them, make sure they're alive, trying to teach them how to do a garden and maybe grow some food and uh, and so they would go there and there'd be like children, like four and five years old living alone. I mean, like little children, but there's no place for them. The orphanage was just uh, overwhelmed. So we were there and we were ministering and we were serving. And as, uh, as I recall, one night it was dark. Uh, all these kids had gathered around. Uh, there was a big old tree and this electrical cord that was hanging down and, and uh, it looked kind of dangerous to me, but some light bulb had wired right into the electricity and this one little light in this dark area. And I'm telling you, you get in those kind of situations, all you see is these little white eyes out of the darkness staring at you when you're up there speaking. And I, at that moment, I had this sense that the Lord would have me turn to this 17-year-old girl and ask her to give her testimony. And there she began to speak. And the joy in her eyes. The excitement of what God had done in her life. She began to talk about her father dying. And the pain and the darkness, the hopelessness and the depression and the struggle. And all of a sudden I'm watching these kids, their eyes light up and they could relate because everyone had their dads die. Everyone had their moms die. And they're looking to her about what hope do you have and what made the difference in your life and why do you seem to be so happy and why is it that your life seems to be so full? What is it that you have? And she began to describe what Jesus had done for her. And here I was as with a PhD in theology sitting on the sideline watching this 17-year-old girl share the gospel in a way I could have never shared. Connecting with those kids and the Spirit of God falling and, and ministering and touching and helping those poor little kids who had no hope except to put their hope in Christ. She was a living testimony of God's amazing grace. And I remember when she came to that place wanting to go, I was a little bit hesitant because she was gonna, I was going to have to be her dad for that week or those two weeks. And, but there's this sense that she was so overwhelmed with what God had done for her, she wanted to do something back. She had to give her life back. She wanted to go tell the world what God had done. I want to tell you today, don't seek abundant life. 
Live it. Give it away. Share it with the world around you. And watch God begin to pour back into your life. Give your life away and you're going to find it. Material possessions don't satisfy. Worldly pleasures will not satisfy. The pursuit of knowledge does not satisfy. They're temporary. They're shallow. They are deceptive. Jesus alone knows what brings abundant life. He's the one who created you. He knows what will satisfy you. And this is what he says to you. If you want abundant life, deny self, pick up your cross, and follow me. Would you bow your heads for a few moments? I want you to think about your life. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Can I ask you something? What has God given you? How has God blessed you? Have you learned to give it away? I'm not necessarily saying sell all you have and go live on the streets. I'm just saying, have you been a good steward of what God has put into your life? Maybe he's given you great riches financially. Have you been generous in giving that for the sake of the kingdom? Maybe you have talents and gifts that no one else has. Have you used them for yourself or are you using them for the glory of God? Has he given you health and strength? And you may not think you have any great talents to give, but what you do have, you're going to give, give what you got. Have you laid it at his feet? I'm telling you, he'll do far more with your life than you ever imagined if you just trust him. He's equipped you with his Holy Spirit. He can, he can do things in your life you could have never imagined, but you've got to lay it down at his feet. One of the great tragedies among many Christians is they use the best years of their life helping the world achieve its goals and leave the kingdom of God wanting. Their best energy, their best strength, their best thinking, their best health, helping their boss be successful in his business. They don't have any time for the kingdom. Listen, Invest your life today in the things that will matter. Give your life away for the sake of the kingdom. You can trust Him. This is Jesus we're talking about. He's saying, I've come to give you abundant life. I, I wouldn't kid you. I'm not, I'm not trying to trick you. When you try to save your life, you'll lose it. Give it away and you'll find it. So what about your life? Is it all about you? It's amazing to me how many times people come to a church... Solely based upon what they can get out of it versus what they can give to it. It's amazing to me how in a church setting even, if I don't like it, I'll go somewhere else. Listen, how self-centered are we? Trying to save our life. Trying to hold on to life. Trying to enjoy life, but we got the wrong definition. Jesus has something far better. You'll never know it to take a step of faith, deny self, pick up your cross, and follow Him. Heavenly Father, I thank You for today and Your Word, which in many ways seems so simple and so clear. But sin blinds our eyes. The world influences the way we think. And we struggle wondering why we're not experiencing the promises of God. Thinking we have one thing, but tragically we have something else. A faith that won't save. So Father, I pray that even today, that everyone who's in this room could leave at peace with you. With the confidence that they've laid their life before you. They're no longer going to live for self, but for you. 
No, no longer going to try to hold on to things with an iron grip, but loosen their hands and be a blessing to those around. And Father, I pray that this entire church would have a reputation in this area of a church that loves God and loves people, is kind and generous, is not just trying to get things from them, but is trying to find ways to minister and to help. Father, I pray that everyone who comes into this place would experience the love of Christ flowing through the lives of each member as they give themselves away. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.